Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs, as always. And uh, look, man, we got a victory to talk about. Um, it headed towards, but um, when the Chiefs offense doesn't turn the ball over, um, they're still elite. They proved that today. Um, you know, I mean, today the Eagles decided to focus on on Travis Kelsey, who would put up 100 points against the Ra- or 100 yards against the Ravens and the Chargers. So that meant it was Tyreek Hill's turn to feast. Uh, had his fourth most yards ever, 186. Matches career high with three touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes throws for five. So, what's your takeaway from this one? Are you focused more on the offense looking otherworldly again? I mean, they ran for 200 yards. Clyde Edwards-Hiller had another 100 yard game. Or are the continued struggles of the defense, even though they were better in the red zone today, uh, you know, more of your takeaway? Um, well, I mean, for, I mean, defense is all I've been thinking about since that game ended and how many problems they have and how many of them, I don't know if they're going to be able to get fixed before, uh, before March. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the weeks of the head. But, I mean, the reality of it is Jalen Hurts isn't exactly a great quarterback. Um, so whenever they were able to kind of attack the flats, the way that they did use the wide receiver screens, it, I mean, it was, it was unfortunate that the chiefs just don't have the speed at linebacker or along their defensive line to consistently get pressure or to be able to take away that stuff in the flats so that defense or offenses can't routinely attack it. I mean, the reality is from an athletic perspective, they're struggling in their front seven, and yes, you can add Willie Gay back to it. I just, you've still got other spots where Hitchens isn't up to par right now. And then Bolton is, let's be honest, he's as of this point in time, from an athletic perspective, he's a, he's a Reggie Raglan where he's a downhill, a downhill running linebacker that that's completely fine if he's that, if he's that. But as you and I have talked about before, he's essentially playing out of position right now because Hitchens knows the defense better. So you're weaker at two spots. And then, the benefit you get with Willie Gay when he finally does come back is yes, he'll replace Ben Neiman. But I mean, there's still, you still, this defense relies so much on being able to create pressure, but also having a fast athletic defensive line and physical defensive line at the defensive tackle spots that can be able to create this pressure. The reality of it is, if they don't bring Legereus Sneed as much as they did, I mean, the things could have gone differently. So they had to bring blitzes from their secondary and the speed at their secondary to be able to create the pressures that they did to get Hurts to make some dumb decisions and to be able to, to panic at times. So that's kind of where my bigger thing is. I mean, people can get frustrated about the tackling. Uh, you know, I, I get it. But, I mean, half the time they're not even in position to make a good tackle to begin with because they're they're slow at the linebacker spot. So, I mean, there's there's, there's a lot of problems defensively that – I don't know if they're going to be able to get fixed um, this season without some roster adjustments, but they don't have the salary cap to be able to make the necessary roster adjustments. So whenever you switch to that, the problem that you run into is like now you just have to score at will as an offense and the pressure's on the offense like in 2018 where they can't have mistakes because if they do, it could cost them the game on one drive like it did against the Rams and the you know the Patriots a couple times. And it's just there's – in the bigger picture, there's a reason they brought Josh Gordon in, and there's a reason they need Josh Gordon to succeed to be able to do what fans expect from a playoff perspective. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to have to win a lot of track meets. I, th- I think at this point, like, 
I mean, what next week, first to 40 in the, when the bills and chiefs play, or is it first to 50? I mean, because I, I don't think either, I don't think there's going to be many stops in that game either. Uh, there were no punts in this game as it was, um, you know, for either side. Um, and look, you know, I mean, yeah, they were missing Frank Clark in addition to Willie Gay. They were also missing Charvarius Ward. But if you think those guys are going to solve the issues they have with speed or with tackling, the answer is no, they're not. I mean, they're, they're just no, they're not, not going to. No, you're 100% right. They're, that's not going to be the difference maker. That's that's not what's holding this defense back. I mean, you can bring Frank Clark back. He'll be good against the run. He's not going to give you a lot of power right now. He's not going to be able to give you a, a, you know, he'll give you better speed on the edge, but as a pass rusher, he's, he's just going to occupy a block. Like that's just kind of what it's going to be. Just like Tershawn Wharton's occupying a block. Jaron Reed is sh- struggling mightily and showing why Seattle released him. Yeah. Um, and then Chris Jones, they're trying to, they're trying to figure out where they can put him to be able to make a difference at this point. Mike Dan is your best defensive end, but again, he has certain athletic deficiencies and being able to change direction and, and athletic ability to be able to kind of hold, hold par in a certain way. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot that, that, that on the, along that defensive line, that's the chiefs are going to get really creative and at times they're going to have to bring blitzes and that's going to open them up to some explosive plays and some yards after catch. And I mean, that's just, it's just, it's just that the defense right now so far has really struggled mightily and fallen off at times to where you see a lot of 2018 chiefs, but with less of a pass rush. Do you think there's anything Spagnuolo can do from a scheme perspective? Cause we've talked before about like moving Chris Jones back inside and just unleashing him to at least try to create havoc in the middle. Don't give, don't, you know, don't give the quarterback a place to step up you know, reduces his, uh, the ways that he can escape from the pocket. If nothing else, force him to run back around the, the, the tackles and the edges. Uh, is there anything he can do, um, short of maybe moving Chris Jones back, uh, to the interior, you know, that, that could help shore this up from a scheme perspective. I don't know if you're necessarily going to be able to shore anything up. You're just going to have to hope that putting Chris Jones inside can give you a couple stops to be able to make the difference if the Chiefs offense is on point the way that they're going to have to be there's going to be a lot of pressure on them throughout this year and people are going to see it next week against the Bills just how much that offense is going to have to they just can't aren't going to be able to have a lot of failed drives and the and the other big reality is a lot of teams are just going to go for it on fourth down like I mean they're going to go for it on fourth down because Chiefs defense is not going to be able to stop them and like the, you know, they know they're going to have to, they know the chiefs are going to score points. So this is going to be, it, it, there's going to be a lot of fourth downs that opponents are going to go for. That's, that's just, that's the way it's going to be. You know, if you want to look at the positive and say, Hey, chiefs did great in the red zone and everything. That's fine. But they're not, they're not facing a ton of Jalen hurts when playoffs come. Like, I mean, you know, in some of these bigger games, they're going to face more precise quarterbacks that are going to burn you with that type of time. So it's, I mean, Look, they got a win today. They they were able to get some things done. They didn't have the ridiculous amount of turnovers that they had the prior week. But there's a, there's a lot of work ahead if they even want to have a chance to get back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I mean, yes, they forced three field goals in the red zone this week. Yes, you know, the Eagles were only two of five in the red zone. They also reached the red zone five times, right? Like, 
Yeah. It's not like the chiefs were stopping them getting three and outs or anything. I mean, they were just marching up and down the field at will too. I mean, the chiefs had 471 yards, you know, Patrick Mahomes threw for almost 305 touchdowns and they ran for 200 and they had 10 more yards than the Eagles, man. I mean, the Eagles almost put up as many and, and look, part of me wonders if Sirianni doesn't, doesn't watch this game film and think, man, why did I settle for those field goals in the red zone? I don't care if it was fourth and five, fourth and two, whatever it was, you got to think he would have had chance to score, uh, to, you know, finish two of those drives in the end zone. If he goes for it in those situations, even if the chiefs get one stop, it's still, you know, that makes it a 42 35 game. It's a different story in that situation. So you're right. I think teams know you're going to have to score touchdowns to keep up with the chiefs and their defense isn't, isn't defending much of anything right now. Uh, and on, I just think that's the way it's going to be. I mean, and I think there's going to be some games that are just ridiculous. The Buffalo coming in, the Dallas game, um, the Packers game. I mean, there's just going to be some games where both teams are just going to be marching up and down the field. And if the Chiefs make some mistakes, if they, you know, make some penalties that get in behind the sticks and they can't convert, um, or, you know, if they have turnovers like they did against the Chargers, then then you could see them get get beat like a drum in some of those games because short of um, early in the Baltimore game when Tyron Matthew picked off Lamar Jackson twice, um, this defense has been kind of nightmarish so far if you're a Chiefs fan. Yeah, it is. Uh, the the issues on that on that side of the ball roster-wise, they've, they've shown a great deal in the first four games, and three of them have been, have been against really good quality opponents that are probably going to be in the playoffs. So, sure. like, sure. I mean – that's the reality checks are going to keep coming and like how this team answers. I'll, I'll be curious to see, but I mean, you know, it, uh, the fact Dorian Odino got some time on defense today, whenever they've put him in the witness protection program, basically for, uh, almost two years and just put him on special teams where most people aren't going to notice him getting snaps. It, you know, that, that told you where, where they, where they're at frustration wise, in my opinion, to where they're, they were even finally letting him get some snaps. And I know fans have wanted to see it cause he's got speed, but there's a reason they routinely don't put him out there, even though they know what his speed and is and the fact that he was, they wanted to get him as to be one of their coverage linebackers. So, I, I mean, it'll, it's going to be interesting to see what road they go here in the weeks ahead. But I mean, they took a, they took a step in the right direction with Josh Gordon by bringing him in. But there's, I mean, the the pro like the bigger problem is like the the decision that they, the real decision that they've got to make is do they want to keep Tyron Matthew here long term? And if they do, they may have to get a contract done to get that cap space to make some moves this year. If they want to, or they can stand pat have to make that decision next year and have to make some bigger decisions with that defensive roster long-term. So it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what road they want to go down. But I mean, look, I mean, the reality is Chris Jones is dominant. I mean, it, this is kind of the point I want to make with Chris Jones. He's one of the top two to three defensive tackles in the league at the three tech spot. When you let him attack and get up field, or you can keep him a defensive end, where he's probably one somewhere between 15 to 30, depending on the day. So you either have one of the most dominant players at a position at the three tech spot that can routinely get you interior pressure and dominate guards because of his speed and power, or you can have him be an average to a little bit above average defensive end. 
that's the decision they have to make as an organization. And it's not going to be, there's going to be a problem no matter where you keep him at. It's just a matter of, do you want to give yourself the best chance to win or not? And that's unfortunately going to be the way that gives them the best chance to win with the roster that they have available. Because if they had interior pressure with Nani and Wharton and Reed, then you could keep Jones outside and it wouldn't be a problem and they'd be a lot more effective pass rush. But that's not the case. I mean, that's that's just where they are. Yeah, and and I mean, at this point, what's it hurt to move back and try, right? Like, I mean, you know what Chris Jones is at that position. I get there's a learning curve. I get all that. But, but I think the one move that you have, other than I, I do think that Willie Gay makes the defense better because yes, swapping, out, swapping out Willie Gay for Ben Neiman is a huge upgrade. Yes. I don't know that it's a difference-making upgrade in terms of the problems that they're having. The one personnel move that they can make that could potentially be difference-making would be Chris Jones moving back inside. And if Chris Jones can dominate the interior like he's done at times and you have a healthy Willie Gay down the stretch of the season, the defense, I think, has a better chance to, to uh, you know, maybe uh, put things together. But if you're – I don't think that the defense has shown enough right now um, that you can look at this and say, hey, look, the year they won the Super Bowl in 2019, you know, they got better as the season went along and they were dominant by the end of the season. That's true. But that was also the first year under Spagnuolo. It was a different situation in terms of the learning curve they were facing. They don't have that learning curve now. They don't have that excuse to lean on. They've got to get it done with the guys in that room, and they're not. And so now I think whether the Chiefs admit that, look, moving Chris Jones outside was a nice idea. It hasn't worked. Let's go back to what we know and what's worked in the past. Whether they are ready to suck it up or whether they ever get to that point, who knows? I mean, all I know is that what they, the amount of pressure that's on the offense to be perfect or as perfect as possible with each quality opponent they face is just going to, it's going to be massive. And so every single turnover that happens is going to be magnified. Every penalty on offense is going to be magnified. Every time an opponent shuts down Kelsey and Hill, and it may lead to issues every time, you know, like today when Orlando Brown jr. Gave up that inside inside shoulder for, uh, for sweat to be able to get Mahomes. I mean, each, each of those things are going to be magnified because of the how minimal the margin of error is for this football team. Like today's game against the Eagles shouldn't have been as close as it was. Like that that's the reality. The Eagles are a bad football team. And like we talked about in the preview podcast, a lot of it has to do with the fact that Jalen Hurts isn't isn't the quarterback that's going to lead them to where they want to go. Like that's that's just that, you know, and Jalen Hurts shouldn't have been able to get the edge a handful of times like he did with how slow he is as a as a Rusher. And even when they had him corralled in on some sacks that they could have had five or six of them today, somehow Ben Neiman misses a tackle or somebody gives up their lane and like, he's able to escape from it. Like there's just all, there's just all these things combined that like, it just, it's unfortunate. It's frustrating, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see the, the, the reality of it is the chiefs have set such a big bar as an organization that like when, fans don't see them be able to play a certain way. They get frustrated. Yeah. And unfortunately tackling isn't a law of averages type thing. Like there's times like a, a tipped ball or something like that. You're, you're like, Oh, you know, I mean, Patrick Mahomes was bound to have some of these, these 
magical plays that he's make go mm-hmm. against him, right? I mean, law of averages said he, he was going to have a no-look pass that was behind a guy that got tipped for an interception. We saw it, and it proved pretty costly in the Chargers game at the end of the day when you look at it. But that's a situation where you can look at it and say, uh, law of averages, like, I'll still take Patrick Mahomes doing his thing more often than not. Uh, tackling, either you can do it or you can't. Like, um, you know, I mean, I don't think that, we, we've got enough tape on Ben Neiman and Daniel Sorensen. We've seen enough in four games from Jaron Reed to say they just physically aren't going to be able to do it. And I don't think it's something where they've been unlucky um, and, and, you know, things are going to come around. I think that they are who we thought they were. Um, but look, on the, on the positive side, for the first time in a regular season game since the Jets game way back in November of last year, the Chiefs won by more than six points. I know that stat's been out there a lot. I would also point out that they, they did win by two touchdowns against the Bills in the AFC Championship game. So, um, yeah, having said that, though, do you at least take some comfort in the fact that, dude, this offense can be really, really – I mean, if they – at least if you're in a situation where you may have to score 35 or 40 every week, you've got an offense who legitimately can score 35 or 40 every week. And here's here's kind of my caveat with that, though, is like they're having to play a certain style to where teams don't want to give them the explosive play. So they're going to take that away. So the Chiefs are having to be more patient, getting yak yards after catch, whether it's a five yard route, a 10 yard route and be okay with dinking and dunking down the field or using the running back with Clyde Edwards Hilaire to be able or the run game in general to be able to kind of keep them on on par, keep them on down and distance, keep them on schedule. And when Josh Gordon is able to make an impact on that offense, I think you're going to see more of the old Chiefs offense that fans have been craving and, and wanting. It's just the other thing that's – look, they faced a dominant rush in, in Philly. But Orlando Brown and Lucas Niang still have work ahead of them in pass protection. They're both solid run blockers and the interior are fantastic run blockers and they're I'll great watch, pass blockers. I'll watch Creed Smith and Trey or Creed Humphrey and Trey, Trey Smith mall dudes all day long. They yeah. were incredible today. So like that, the interior, you don't have to worry about it. It's like, is Orlando Brown going to face a speed rusher like he did today that can set him up wide, get him, get him to set a certain way where Orlando wants to put out his arms and just ride him out 10 yards and, and give up that inside shoulder to where that one of those elite pass rushers is going to get it at some point and be able to take Mahomes down or, you know, are, are they going to get something figured out in the pocket that gives Mahomes a pocket that he can be comfortable and confident in? So from an offensive perspective, that's honestly the biggest thing that they're going to have to wrestle with going forward. But I mean, look, there's there's so many problems on defense right now that <laughs> you have a scheme that's based on pass rush where you can't rush the passer. And like you have to you have to do games and loops and twists and stunts and you got to you literally have to bring fast secondary players just to get the proper amount of pressure for them not to take advantage of the voids. So it's you know I I can only imagine the job that Steve spagnuolo has got this year with the roster that he's got. So it's it's unfortunate but hey, Andy Reid was able to, to get his hundredth win with the Chiefs today and kind of add another another notch to the Hall of Fame resume. So it'll uh, 
at least at least they got that and you know i know i know this sounds like it's doom and gloom and everything it's just like people listen to this podcast in my opinion to find out kind of what what in terms of how coach reed says it what's real and i mean what's the reality overall so that's just kind of where i stand on all that and we'll we'll see where they go Right. And I mean, this was a chance, I think, for the defense to flex and say, right, you know, when we play a bad team, you know, we're we're not this, you know, this awful defense you've seen against, you know, the Browns power run attack, the the unique option challenge that Lamar Jackson presents. Um, And yeah, and frankly, uh, you know, that that got buried by four turnovers um, against a, a quality Chargers team. I don't think the Chargers are are quite as good offensively as those other two, but they've certainly got some weapons there. Uh, and then they just didn't rise to that challenge, which is why I think you and I were a little bit more optimistic the last couple of weeks, but um, they gave up 30 to an Eagles team that, that, that frankly is probably going to be what five and 12 or six and 11 when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, that's just not, not incredibly encouraging to see. Um, having said that, um, you know, look, I mean, I think when Josh Gordon comes in, I mean, teams are already having to pick their poison between letting Travis Kelsey carve them up or letting Tyreek Hill just beat them uh, like a rented mule. You know, and Cleveland and Philadelphia chose to let Tyreek beat them. Uh, the Ravens and and Los Angeles Chargers put it on, on you know, like took, took him away and put it more on Kelsey. Didn't matter. Either way, they, they beat you up. And I'll say this, if the Chiefs can do what they did in the run game week after week, it, that can force other teams' hand a little bit and, and give even more space for, for a Josh Gordon to operate um, alongside Travis Kelsey and, and Terry Kill. And that, that reduces the margin of error for the defense, but only insofar as the offense still has to play perfect, which is a shame because you hate to make Patrick Mahomes and those guys be perfect every week, but that's the reality of where they are. They're going to have to be for the time being if the Chiefs are going to stack wins and get back, you know, get back in front of this AFC playoff race, AFC West race. Yeah, that's that's the hole that they dug for themselves. And on top of it, um, the the Chiefs at time have to call plays just to take up time off the clock <laughs> to give the defense rest because the defense can't get off the field and. They're having six, seven, eight, ten-minute drives. It's like the Chiefs have to slow down the pace just to give their defense enough rest. Like that's that's what they did at times today. And I know people people didn't agree with me on my, on my mentions, but I'm telling you, like they had to they ran the ball a handful of times just to give that defense enough rest so that it could have a chance to force some turnovers. The good news is this year they can do it. So um, that's that's the difference between this year and last year. If they yeah. need to be able to go to lean on that run game like they did at times today they can and they can still be effective and they can still go down the field and get touchdowns and they can control the clock and Andy kind of hinted at that that you know they they want to be able to you know if the game situation dictates we need to run it down your throat we can if the game situation dictates we need to be able to take the top off we can he wants them to be able to 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 run their offense, however the defense dictates they need to run their offense. And so, um, you know, it's encouraging to see. I think they their offensive line gives them the chance to do that this year. But I do want to take a little bit more time to acknowledge Andy Reid. NFL history, no coach has ever won 100 games with two different franchises um, until now. Um, 
and you and I agree that his his Hall of Fame candidacy, like that part was settled when he won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Fifty Four, right? Adding that to his resume um, cemented his place in Canton. What does this do for him, though? I mean, does this was he already in the conversation with? Uh, you know, the George Halluses, the Tom Landry's, the Don Shula's, the Bill Belichick's of the world, or did this milestone today kind of hammer home that he belongs in that echelon? Um, I, I, I think that's going to take, unfortunately, I think it's going to take a couple more Lombardis to be able to kind of get in the Walsh type Belichick conversation. Chuck Knoll maybe should be thrown in there. I don't know. So, and you can throw that in there too. <laughs> but um, I, I think it, it, if there's any doubt in a Hall of Fame meeting room, I feel like that stat today of 100 wins with two different franchises, the longevity that has shows that two different organizations create two different winning cultures, like I said last time, like that, that shows that his program can travel. It's not just one, you know, it's not just the, it happened to be a stars aligning in one spot. He was one of the rare coaches that was able to make it work in two different decades and two different, you know, two different eras and two different places. So that's, that's where I think that's what makes him such a special head coach. And so, yeah, I mean, the, if there was any doubt from a hall of fame perspective, I I'm hoping that this kind of ended that, but I think for him to be able to be up at that notch that you were naming some of those names, I unfortunately think that's going to, that's going to take, more Lombardi's than what he has right now, whether that's fair or not, that's, that's you can debate it, but I'm just, I just, I think with Belichick having as many as he does, both as a coordinator and as a head coach. And, you know, it's just, that's, I, I just, I think people are going to consider Belichick uh, the greatest coach of all time for quite, for quite some time. Yeah. And it is worth mentioning. Andy did have one as an assistant too, back when he was with green Bay before he got in Philadelphia. So, you know, he's, he's, he's got some of that cachet from his, his days of Mike Holmgren as well. Um, but, but you're right. I mean, I think the standard for that, you know, if you want to start talking about who belongs in the Mount Rushmore of NFL coaches, it starts with multiple uh, Super Bowl championships, multiple Lombardi trophies as head coach, I think. Right. And I, and I, I think Walsh with how much his, his ideas and his schemes still live, from what was done in the eighties still live to this day. And Andy Reed runs combinations of it and it still runs, you know, and some of McVay's stuff, some of Gruden's stuff and, and some other coaches around the league like that. That's why Walsh is always going to be considered one of the greatest coaches, not only because of multiple Super Bowls and being a perfectionist, but the scheme he ran has lived for multiple decades. Like that's, yeah. that's just going to be special about him. Belichick, you can argue Brady has a lot to do with it, and they have a Sunday night football game that's, you know, going to maybe answer some questions for both of them that they're trying to show that they could do it on their own. But, you know, it, it's, I mean, unfortunately, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, trophy speak when it comes to hall of fame statuses and things of that nature. And that's, that's where Belichick's probably going to be on the rush more for quite some time. Yeah. And look, deservedly so, but, but, that shouldn't take away anything from, from Andy Reid. I mean, you know, Bill Belichick, you know, was in Cleveland and did not have a successful tenure there. So mm -hmm. to your point, the ability to, to take over a, a, a team that was rudderless in Philadelphia and take them to five NFC championships and, and a Super Bowl appearance in 14 years, 
and then to take over a Kansas City franchise that, again, had lost its way and take them to three AFC championships and two Super Bowls, including a win in nine, well, eight years, because this is the ninth. We don't know how this year will right. turn out. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's impressive. And, and all due respect to him, kind of like Patrick Mahomes said after the game, no disrespect to Philly, uh, but I'm glad they let him go, and I'm glad he's here calling plays in Kansas City. So Yeah, no, I don't disagree with any of that. All right. Well, hey, um, we hope that your Monday and the rest of your week is at least a little bit better since the Chiefs won. So if you're, you know, if you've been in a mood the last couple of weeks, because, uh, you know, hopefully uh, you'll feel better about that. And hopefully you'll be excited about the upcoming Bills game. It should be a fun one. Um, and uh, we'll be back later the week to talk about it. You, you up for doing another podcast with me this week, Nick? All I got to say, yes. But all I got to say is stay out of my mentions with that negativity. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Take care, kids.